Hello, friends. I'm so excited to share with you this week a terrific conversation that I had with not one, but two special guests. Brenda Dow and Wesley Dean are a married couple that work together to help individuals and couples strengthen their relationships. I know you're going to get a ton of value out of this conversation. I know that I did. And especially with this publication date coming right before the holidays after a particularly stressful year, I really think that there are some gems in here for you. So sit back and enjoy. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited to share with you this week, Brenda and Wesley, a really dynamic duo that has a lot of great information to share with us, especially when this podcast is coming out just before the holidays, but useful any time of the year. So let me introduce Brenda Dow and Wesley Dean. They help individuals and couples to have lasting, deeper, and stronger relationships so they can be loved for their authentic selves without sacrificing who they are. They do this using the Fun Factor Funnel trademark method that Brenda created, as well as online programs with group or private coaching. Wes and Brenda have worked with hundreds of couples in some of the most successful premarital, marriage help, and relationship building programs in North America. Wes and Brenda met during a job interview 16 years ago and then later married. Not only have they juggled office romance as co-workers, they've also jointly run their own business. It wasn't all sunshine and roses though. Just a few years after the wedding, they were discussing divorce. After saving their own marriage, they pivoted their business to help individuals and couples in committed relationships. I am so happy to have you both with me. Thank you. I'm glad Thank to be you. here. So I think it's always uh, perhaps challenging, sometimes in relationships, and I've been married now for about seven years, so I'll try not to get my husband into too much trouble since he is not here to defend himself. But perhaps you've seen some people struggle with this. When trouble starts, in your experience, in your work with couples, when is a good time for people to seek or bring in help for their relationship? Right. That's a great question. Um, I would say always. Uh, there are no good times or bad times to, to bring in help. It's always always a good time to bring in um, someone to help and to to act as a and serve as a mentor. Um, someone who's been in a, a seasoned, mature relationship or whatever you, you've, you've got something going that's, that's new and you can use a different perspective. Um, especially when you've got, you know, problems and conflicts that come up, they, you don't really know how to deal with them and they just don't go away on their own. That's right. And there's different seasons and stages in relationships. There's the romance stage. We're all lovey-dovey. And then we kind of get into the disillusionment stage. Um, actually, falling in love scientifically only lasts about two years or so. So then you're going to hit a little bump in the road. So if you haven't worked on things, you can run into that disillusionment. And sometimes that falls into misery where you're kind of hitting rock bottom. But with many of the programs, including the programs that we're involved with, you can have a reawakening afterwards. And depending where you are in the season of the relationship, 
would dictate what kind of help you get. If you need a mentor or if you need like a boot camp, <laughs> if you need to infuse some fun in your relationship because things are getting a little stale, um, it all depends on that. But like Wes said, it depends on the season and it's, it's always a good time to get help. The sooner you get a mentor or involved, the less likely it'll be you'll go into trouble. And then if you do, you have somebody that you can rely on for advice and help. Mm, so true. And I think it's really powerful for people to have some tools that they can call up when trouble starts to arise rather than trying to, you know, suffer through that miscommunication before we have that power of perspective from a mentor. Absolutely. And, and you know, things will crop up. Sometimes you have a major transition. Um, maybe there's a medical issue that's affecting one or both of you. Uh, we're in this time when jobs are being lost, people's hours are getting cut back. So whenever there's an underlying situation with finances or maybe you run into trouble about parenting, that's always a good time to, to seek a mentor or something, um, you know, like a coach or go on one of those programs. They'll teach you a lot of tools on those programs for sure, as you mentioned. Yes, and, uh, and being a shop girl and in my own practice, I'm always an advocate of tools and of having them in process or under development before you're really in a bind so that you have them ready. That's right. Yeah. And um, that's why we created the fun factor funnel, because many times when people, especially guys, right, Wes? Sure. <laughs> oh, honey, uh, I want to go see someone. I want to, oh, what's going on? You know, <laughs> so we created the fun factor funnel because we want to focus on having fun. And we've gotten a lot of feedback from men who've gone through the process saying that they they really enjoyed it. And the, our approach to it is really different. And that's a good tool to use, too. Yes. Well, I think that's terrific, too. I mean, there's there's so much to be said for that energy of play and having fun, especially if you start getting into that point where, like you said, sometimes things start to feel a little bit stale. So it's great to have some things some in your arsenal, some tools, if you will, since we're on that vein, to keep things fresh when you need a little spark. Absolutely. And so I'm curious to see if you have any insights as to what are some common challenges that you're finding in the couples that you work with or that arise in relationships? Sure. I find that it's often easy to, to avoid going into topics of conversation that they have conflict, especially as, as a guy. It's been, I've, I've never wanted to like really rock the boat or bring up things that are like, you know, everything is going smoothly. I, I just, I don't want anything to, to get worse. You know, everything is good right now, so just leave it there. And that's been a real challenge for me. And the, the idea that got me over that is caring enough about uh, the challenge to, to be in conflict. Uh, because the opposite of that is to be in like this kind of like apathetic state where you just don't care. And that's far, far worse. To be in conflict and having different points of view doesn't make us good or bad or wrong or right, we just have different perspectives. Exactly. And there are already inherent differences in the way that men and women communicate. Um, there's this great book called You Just Don't Understand. And it talks about the fact that men do report talk. You know, they're talking about things and what did I do today? And I checked this off the list. 
where women use rapport talk. They use conversation to connect with other people. And it's really about getting to know each other. And guys oftentimes in their conversation will try to one up each other. Mm. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you think that's bad. This happened. So just that dynamic already is a challenge for men and women. Um, and, and so we do a lot of, with communication and communication tools, conflict resolution, but really conflict management, because there's just some conflicts you can't resolve, but you can feel a whole lot better when you can express your feelings, your emotions about a topic, as well as the judgments you have and the assumptions that you're working under. And Wes and I worked a lot on conflict because like he said, he was a conflict avoider. <laughs> and we teach this in like a four hour workshop now so that people can come together. And as Wes said, if you care, you're going to have some conflict because if you didn't care, who cares, right? <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't have strong reactions, feelings, emotions over it because you just would have apathy, you know? People think the opposite of love is hate and the opposite of love is apathy, feeling nothing. Mm, that's really powerful. Some other things too um, is that we're seeing differences and changes in couples because of the pandemic that's been going on, the COVID situation. Um, some folks have a lot of distractions, meaning they would be able to leave the house or they would have their night out with their friends or, um, you know, it was little limited time sometimes. And then suddenly people were at home, okay? <laughs> and they were at home working or at home taking care of the children, or maybe they lost their job while their partner was home working. And suddenly they found themselves in a completely different dynamic. So in some situations, there's a feeling of being overwhelmed. Couples are in a situation where they've had these routines and they've had these roles that they've played. And now things can be all topsy-turvy, not only in their roles, but also outside pressures coming in. And one person in the relationship may feel that things are falling towards them. They may feel overwhelmed or they may feel burdened or they feel like they can't ask for help. Or if they are judging that, hey, I'm asking for help, Maybe it's not in a way that the other person can understand or receive or interpret as being asked. Because once again, men and women already communicate differently. And then there are different love languages. There's different communication styles. So communication is the key. And as a guy, sometimes I want to help. I'm a helper. I want to get in and do something. So Brenda could be saying something to me. And all I'm thinking about is, hey, I want to fix that problem you're describing. I want to get in there and do something about it. When that's not what Brenda's looking for at all. Brenda's looking just to talk about how she feels and describe her, her state and where she is right then. And when I'm sitting there thinking about what I can do to solve that problem, I'm no longer thinking about her. I'm thinking about the problem. And now my attention is taken away from her. I'm off on something else. So not only is my attention diverted, I'm not giving Brenda what she needs to be, to feel heard, to be understood, to be connected with me. So another challenge you see oftentimes is when you have an unanticipated situation or these conflicts that come up there, they're difficult to address. Um, they, they can come from different expectations like, 
different having a different family of origin or different perspective when it comes to to finances. Like my family of origin and Brennan's family of origin have completely different ways of dealing with money. So we got them both together. So when we came together, how we dealt with things with money was a, a real challenge for us. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And Wes raises a good point about family of origin because um, particularly in, you know, December, January, and then again in the summer when there are family reunions and weddings and vacations, you are getting thrown back into your family <laughs> and you might have worked things out with your, with your partner, but suddenly you're in this family dynamic and you get kind of trapped into it. And then now too, with COVID people weren't able to do the things for summer vacation or visit family. And there can be a lot of pressure from in-laws or your parents or siblings about doing things a certain way. So those add to the challenges and frustration. So it's always really good to talk things through with your spouse. And like Wes said, don't look at it as, well, your, your partner has a problem. Listen to what they're saying so that you can understand. One of the things that Wes and I do is before we start talking, and if one of us forgets to say it, I'll say, I'm sorry, Wes. Am I, is, are you venting? Are you looking for, you know, coming up with a solution? Um, you know, do you, you know, and he'll tell me, I just need to vent. And I'm like, great, I can be successful. I know exactly what to do. Sit there and just go, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't try to solve the problem. Don't give unsolicited advice. Just be there to listen to him and make it a safe space for him to share. That's right. Yes, I think that's so powerful. And that's definitely something that I have found in communicating with my husband is it's easier if I give him a little heads up and say, I just need to rant. I'm having a moment. A lot of stuff just landed on my plate. I need to burn off some steam. And then he knows, too, that if I'm short tempered, it's not because of him. And it, I don't mean to direct it at him. He's just a lucky winner of the first one to cross my path while I'm working this out. So there's so much to be said for helping your partner understand where you're coming from and what you expect out of an exchange. Yeah. And we have to know ourselves in order to know, our, you know, know what to tell our partners. So sometimes I'm a verbal whiteboarder. I talk aloud and try to work through things. And so sometimes I'll say to him, he'll be like, what? And I'm like, you can ignore me. I'm just, I'm whiteboarding over here. Right. And if I need you, I'll come over and I'll call you by name. And he's like, okay, that allows him to be successful. And I know what I'm doing and I'm self-aware and I'm able to help him be successful with me by being self-aware and articulate. And we want our partner to be successful. Absolutely. Exactly. Suddenly everybody gets to win. <laughs> Absolutely set each other up for success. Yes, beautiful. And so are there other suggestions that you have in terms of how we can begin to frame or start conversations to, to support that open space for an honest exchange? Right, I, two things come to mind. First, um, we use what's called the how method, which is we have conversations that are honest, that are open, and we want to be willing to change to not be dogmatic about sticking to a single perspective or point. Maybe the other person's right. Maybe I'm right. I don't know. Being being open, being, being honest with yourself, with your feelings, and with your spouse. And there's a difference also 
when we when we talk between having a dialogue versus a discussion, whereas a dialogue is where we have an open exchange of feelings and emotions, and a discussion is about a conversation about thoughts and ideas. So an idea or a thought or an opinion, it could be right, it could be wrong, it could be correct, incorrect, um, whereas a feeling is never right nor wrong it just it just is it's where we are in that moment and it's important to to be able to frame a conversation within the context of brenda's feeling something so it's not my role to tell her she shouldn't feel that way or to be feel guilty about causing her feeling brenda's feelings are her feelings and the best way i can connect with her and have it that honest exchange is by being open to her feelings in her current state Right. And it's about creating a safe space. So as Wes said, when we when we dialogue, that's the word we use, we're ha- we want to share our spontaneous inner reaction to a, mo- a person, place or situation, right? Something I get triggered and I'm like, ah, right? I'm feeling that. That's an emotion. And I need to get control and recognize that emotion so then I can be resourceful. Then after I get my emotion recognized and under control, then I could approach Wes and have a discussion about it. You know, like I got triggered on this and I've been thinking about it and I, you know, I got angry. Um, Help me to better deal with my triggers. Could we, we talk about some things where you could support me in doing that better. So you can hear that I'm saying, we're working on this together, right? The problem is over here and we're on a team together, but I'm initiating the problem solving and I'm going to him and asking for him to work with me to help me be better in this. So we're a team in doing this. It's not your problem or I'm a problem. And the reason I can do that is because he lets me express my emotion and is very calm about it. Brenda's having an emotion. Guess what? In another two seconds, she's going to have another emotion. 30 seconds, another emotion, right? Emotions are coming and going all the time, right? And we're constantly making decisions about whether we're going to act. So some people say, oh, I get so upset with my spouse. It's like, well, think about your kids. Think about your parents. You get upset with your kids. You get upset with your parents. But don't you find you have better control over your choices? I mean, We're deciding to love someone, and that doesn't mean blasting them with whatever emotion is coming in. That means going inside of ourselves, figuring out what's going on. And when we do that and we allow our partner to do that, we want to not just tolerate the emotion. We want to try to accept them having this emotion and even embrace them in having the emotion, which makes it a safe space. And like Wes said, it's not something that I need to react to. Oh, no, Brenda's upset again. What can I do? It's, you know, Brenda's upset. Hey, you know, she's going to she's gonna work through it. And then, um, you know, she'll come to me if she needs help. Otherwise, you know, I might go later on and say, oh, I'm really struggling with this, Wes. You know me. I have a 24-hour rule. I got to get past this in 24 hours or I got to do something about it. And I'm an hour 20. So can I just bounce some ideas off of you? Could you just listen? And he'll say, sure, right? And you can see I've set him up for success. I've told him what I'm expecting from him and how he can help or not help. And I told him, you know, that this is where I am in the journey. And so 
he can not only just tolerate, but he can embrace me in that moment by offering that support. Wes? Sure. I just want to point out a thought that I had, which is when I we express a feeling, we can say, I am happy or I feel happy. And with 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 that in mind, if Brenda's feeling a feeling and I reject her feeling, in a way, I'm also rejecting her. And that's not great. That's right. And another thing is when you go into problem solving with your mate, instead of just being there for your mate, sometimes it can be interpreted that your mate is the problem, right? So if every time I try to open up to Wes just to be heard or to work things like whiteboarding and he starts to problem solve, I'm going to get the feeling, you know, or interpret that or make an assumption or judge like, so Wes think I'm a problem. How come every time I try to talk to him or share, or be vulnerable with him, he's sensing that there's a problem and he has to solve it. Does he see me as a problem? So that's why it's really important to, you know, tolerate, but better than tolerate, accept. And if you can't, and if you can go beyond accept, embrace the emotion because it's going to come and go at all times. And we want to recommend a book. It's called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And there are five love languages. And if you have not heard of the Love Languages book, get it. If you're not someone who reads a book, go online. You can take the quiz to find out which of the five love languages yours. And it's really important because Wes his love language is physical touch, okay? Not sexual activity, just touching physically. So he would always put his hands all over me when he wanted you know, to try to express love to me. And I'm not really a touchy-feely kind of person, right? But when I understood that that was Wes's love language, now I can make it a safe space for him because when we talk to each other, I'm going to put my hand on his shoulder. I'm going to hold his hand. I'm going to rub his leg. And then that allows him to feel loved. For me, it's acts of service. So an act of service is helping me with something, but what I specify I need help with. And sometimes the acts of service people can be confusing. So someone will say, well, my partner's love language is acts of service. So I'm going to do these 10 things. And your partner isn't happy. Your partner doesn't feel loved. What do you mean? What do you mean? I did 10 things for you today. They may not be the right things. If you have a partner whose love language is acts of service, say, what, dear, are the three most important acts of service that I can do for you? So ask them. And sometimes it will be something you don't even anticipate. And part of active service is not having to be asked over and over again. So when I ask Wes for something, I only want to ask him once because then what happens is if he doesn't immediately do it, I don't feel like it's an act of service. I judge, hmm, I'm going to have to nag him to get it, this done, right? <laughs> and now I feel like there's this very bad dynamic that's going on. And so when he does get around to doing it, it's just, it's just frustration. So have those conversations, have those questions about what can I do to successfully support you? And once again, it's about knowing what you need so you can express it to your partner. Yeah, I think all of that is so empowering because we get this feeling, perhaps, you know, we take upon ourselves in order to make my beloved happy, I should know what they want. Mm 
And why not make it a conversation? Why not be honest and open? Because we don't always want the same thing. So it's not always perhaps what we would think of as logical. But when we love someone and we want to see them happy, then, oh, I remember, I can check in. If she's not having a great day, I can check in and say, what can I do for you to make your day a little easier? And then watch her light up. Exactly. <laughs> My husband's love language is, um, is, word, is it words of praise? Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation, yes. He works very hard and he loves to be appreciated for the work that he does. It goes a long ways. And it's just something that, that occasionally falls off my radar because we get busy, we get into our own heads. And so when I can tell he's starting to grind a little bit, you know, grind his teeth perhaps at me, I try to really touch back in and say, you know what, it's really amazing. Thank you for taking care of that chore today. It was huge that that was off of the list. You're amazing for fitting that into your busy schedule. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, great book, great quiz. I, have, um, I, I think that's really, really helpful because we tend to get in this place where why, why don't they understand that I'm, I'm showing them how much I love or appreciate them. But when we're not talking the same language, that's a world of difference. That's right. And sometimes when people have a hard time grasping the love languages, we teach them a reverse way of paying attention to their partner because their partner often will express to them when they want to be loved. And that's a way if your partner is not able to communicate or doesn't want to read the book or doesn't want to take the quiz, like I'm trying on my own, Brenda, and I can't get them to take the quiz or read the book. Then we work with them to say, here are some techniques where you can study what they're doing, right? And then you can take clues from that and figure out what their love language is so that you can respond to them in kind. Awesome. Tremendous. I love that. And since for this publication in particular, we've got the holidays coming up, how do you find that the holidays may add or illuminate some relationship tensions? So that's a good question. I, I, it's been my observation that holidays often involve a lot of expectations. And sometimes those expectations go unexpressed or uncommunicated or they're unrealistic. We want our partners to be successful. So an uncommunicated or an unexpressed expectation, what it is, is really it's a resentment that's waiting to happen. So if I expect Brenda to, I don't know, give me a, an ice cream cake for, uh, for, for my birthday or something like that, and I don't tell her, then it's a guessing game where she's got to figure out what can she do to make me happy. Whereas if I say, Hey, Brenda, I'd really like to have an ice cream cake on my birthday, or I'd really like to visit my father for Christmas. Then she can be successful in our, in our interactions and she can help me diffuse the, the tension that can come from uh, that is she going to do it? Is she not going to do it? You know, does she even care about me? Does she even know me? Uh, stuff like that. Um, and the other thing I found out is I want to focus on, on key priorities. And I want to let go of the rest. So I think about, is this thing that I'm thinking about, will it matter next month or next year or five years from now? Does it matter if we want to my, my in-laws first or, or her in-laws first? what will it matter? The important thing really is in that situation that we go to see family, that we go to interact and, and share love and share the, the holidays. 
I let go of the things that aren't priorities and focus on the things that are. Absolutely. And we try to set each other up for success by saying things like, you know what? You know, the holidays are coming up, Christmas. We celebrate Christmas. So on Christmas Day, Wes, what's the most important thing that ideally you would like to see happen? And ideally, what's the thing that you would like to avoid doing or happening on Christmas Day? So we already have a baseline for success because I really don't want to do this. And I really want to do that. And when you each express that to each other, then you have four points. And four points are typically manageable, right? <laughs> so so if, if the thing is, is, well, I, I want to talk to my parents on Christmas Day. We can't go there because of the way the situation is, but we'll try to get them online. And I really don't want to talk more than an hour because it's stressful for me. Okay. So set up ahead of time. Like, what does that look like? You know? So if one of you gets stressed, negotiate in advance, how long you're going to be there. One of the things that Wes and I do is we have a secret code word that we use with each other before we go into a situation where we might have a trigger. We also call this thing, leave on a high note. And we negotiate in advance how much time we're going to spend and what the code word is going to be. And we respect each other that if one of us has to use the code word, which means I really need to withdraw from this situation, then we do, right? Because if we don't help our partner and withdraw when they need to, guess what? They're not going to want to do it again, right? This help builds trust with each other, right? And I'd rather have a half hour online with my parents than never being able to get Wes to be online with my parents again, right? So that's an example, like using the code word. So, you know, <laughs> it could be a code word where he could, you know, say something like, oh, what's going on out there? I think I see something, right? That could be the code word. The code word could be like, Hey, what were we having for dinner tonight? I mean, it, it could be a code phrase. It's just something that's, you know, or have you seen what time it is? That's another one, right? Um, and we also, <laughs> we've also been known to text each other if we have to. <laughs> so just think about that. And the idea, once again, is to set your partner up for success. So really good tip is what do each of you most want ideally to have and what do most of you ideally want to avoid on a particular holiday? I think that's tremendously helpful to just be honest as, as we've been discussing throughout our conversation, the power of that is tremendous because sometimes what one person wants the most is what the other one might want to avoid. So you can recognize that and then say, okay, so I, I respect that because this is a holiday, you know, maybe instead of an hour, we'll talk for, we'll, aim for 30 minutes, it'll probably be 45. And I can make this concession for you. I know that this is really important to you. So it's your turn. And let's do this so that I can I can show you how much I appreciate that you're doing this for me because you love myself and my family. That's right. And and sometimes like say we say we're going to go over there and we'll spend two hours. I'll, I might I might call the code word after 90, 90 you know minutes and and then we'll get in the car and Wes will be like, hey, you know what what's going on? You called the code word at 90 minutes and you know you said you wanted two hours. I said, you know what? I wanted to leave on a high note. <laughs> That's what we mean about being on the high note. 
right then and there, it's like a crescendo. He's laughing. He's smiling. I'm laughing and smiling. It's like, isn't this a good way to end things? We don't know what the next 30 minutes is going to be. Let's end on a high note. So I might say, oh, look what time it is. All right, we got to get going. And we get in the car and he'll be like, did something get triggered? I go, no, we ended on a high note. Win. We high five each other. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you feel after that? I feel great. <laughs> I, I feel I feel respected. Mm. I mean, especially when it's when one of us has to tap out and the other person picks up and we we make uh, modifications or we, we find a way to fit that in. Then in 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 leaving in the, the debrief, it's like I felt really respected by the fact that you, you saw what I was trying to communicate. You recognized that I have you know limits and and I was at mine and and you worked with me and there's no shame and we just we did what we could and we're we're moving on and I appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. See, when you get a response like this, of course you want to work together and set each other up for success. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And it just like inspires you to keep that level of of respect for each other. Absolutely. You know, you can't get to that place of complacency where you forget that this is the relationship you chose. Just like you were saying earlier, you know, you love your children, you love your parents, but you chose this person. So sometimes it might take a little more effort, but I really believe that the, the payoff is exponential. Yeah. And when you're doing that, you're building goodwill. So on when those situations come up, when it's just impossible to do those four things, then you have a lot of grace for each other because you've been so successful in doing much of that and have a good path that you set yourself down so that when you get little setbacks, like it was a crazy day and we couldn't do it, or, you know, something happened, the car broke down or, you know, someone walked through the door who I haven't seen in 10 years and I wanted to stay an extra 15 minutes just to say hi. Um, Because those things happen. We're imperfect people. But when we demonstrate to each other that we want to be successful and we're on a team together and this is the goal and this is the approach we're going to take with our relationship and how we want to approach things, then when you have those little slip-ups, as we all do, or certain things happen and you have no control over a situation, right? That should be the exception, not the rule. And it can be the exception rather than the rule when you use these tools and techniques. I love it. I love it. With all of this awesome insight and information, um, folks might be wondering how to stay on track or, or when to know which tools to use at the right time? What are some resources that you recommend to stay on track? Or if they're interested in working with you, how can they go about that? Sure, we have quite a tool chest because we've worked with many different programs over the years and have created, like I said, our own programs when we saw there was a a, a gap in what we were doing before. So I always encourage people to reach out to us for a complimentary discovery session We can take a look at where things are in your relationship and make the proper recommendation based for, is it something the two of you are going to do? Is it just one of you that's going to get some help on your own to try to change the dynamic of the relationship, which does work? Um, Is it something that we would do? Um, Is it something that we would refer you to with some of the organizations that we work with? So everyone's different and they're in a different place. So they can reach out Brenda at brendadow.com. That's my email. And brendadow.com is our website. Um, It's 
it's you'll see that both Wes and I are on there. Um, I do this full time. He does this part time. Um, so we we create quite a team because we've been doing this type of thing together for for 10 years now. And um, we also want folks to know that if you've been to a counselor or therapist or something and you're still struggling, don't give up. Right. Um we have many different approaches that many folks have not experienced. And we know we've been in the trenches before trying things. Okay. And now you can see we're in a pretty good place, right? Because we kept at it. So it's finding the right match. And so when people come and they have a discovery session for with me, I want to help them. This is our passion, our vocation. Wes and I want to help them. And that may not be us. It may be someone else or something else with which we can use to make a referral. Awesome. I think that's so helpful to recognize, too, that if you recognize you're in a situation and you know you want help or support, that you can start working yourself you know, reach out and try to make some shifts, make a little space, let that effort be demonstrated so that your partner may be ready to come in and make that a couple's venture. Sometimes it takes one to to break out of inertia, right, to, to start to turn things around. So I think that's really helpful, too, for people to recognize that if you can't get your partner to buy in on seeking help, that doesn't mean you can't bring help to the relationship. Exactly. That's how um, I work with a lot of people. Um, we were working primarily with couples for 10 years. Now we work with individuals just for that reason, because we have seen how important it is that if one person wants to take that step and get to know themselves so they can bring a better dynamic and self-knowledge to the relationship, it can change everything between the two of them. I love it. Is there anything else that comes to mind you want to share before we wrap up? All right. Another point I want to make is that I thought before we got into our time of trouble, I thought our relationship was great. I didn't see any any real problems. I thought things were going smoothly. You know, we weren't, you know, fighting very much. It was things were seeming going just fine. And Brenda asked me once, "Are you are you happy in our relationship?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course I'm happy. Why wouldn't I be happy?" And it turns out she was not. I was miserable. She was miserable. Um, So with that in mind, being able to reach out, like I said earlier, to a a mentor couple, to other folks, it's important. Even when you don't think there's a problem to be solved, there's always ways to, to to be better, to have your relationship just be more comfortable. It doesn't have to hurt. It doesn't have to be frustrating. It doesn't have to be painful, even in conflict, even in times when you're you're not happy, you can feel supported, you can feel loved, you can feel accepted because you're on a team. You've chosen a team and you can you can you can be successful working together and working with, with other folks, even when you don't yeah. know if you do. And one of the things that I want to stress that what Wes and I do differently is we don't want to go to someone who says, oh, here's what you should do. You should do this. You should do that. No. Okay. Our approach is we don't ask you specifically what your problem is. What we do is we teach you tools that you can apply to any type of problem. And if there's a problem that's going to be discussed, we're going to say, here's the problem we had. And here's how we effectively use this tool. So 
if you have a partner who's reticent, like, oh, I have to go air my dirty laundry. No, you don't always have to do that, right? In fact, we don't want to know the details, okay? We have a track record of using ourselves as examples, and we just get a smidgen of where you are in the cycle of your relationship, um, you know, maybe what a key part of it is. But we use ourselves, you know, we teach tools that can apply to any situation. We show you what a train wreck we've been and how we climbed out of the dumpster fire and hosed ourselves off and are in good shape now, okay? <laughs> so if you go to places where they're just telling you advice or they're rationalizing or they're diminishing your feelings, move on. Find someone who's a match for you. And that's why we do the discovery sessions so that we can help you find the help that you need, whether that might be working with us or might be working with another entity or organization with which we have past practice or volunteer with as well. Beautiful. I love that. I love both of those insights so much. First of all, because Wes, you brought it back to the beginning where you were saying, you know, when you feel like, don't be afraid to disrupt the status quo right? Because sometimes comfortable isn't as good as it can be. So it's so good to check in with your partner and see, are you as comfortable as I am? Are, are, are we comfortable in this? Or is there room for growth? There's always potential, I do believe. And, and I love that. Thank you for sharing too, Brenda, that, um, that people should never feel exposed or minimized or diminished when they seek help to support themselves in their relationship. That's such a beautiful place to meet people with yeah. and say, maybe this works for you. In our situation, this is how we saw a shift. So I really love that approach. Yeah. And sometimes people have walked away and they've told us like, we had a great discussion on the way home because we were talking about how did they get themselves out of that? So instead of talking about their problems, they were talking about ours. And some people have even said, I felt a whole lot better about my relationship when I found out what the two of you were going through. And we don't use <laughs> war stories to tell them. We use it to illustrate how to use a specific technique, right? So yes, mm -hmm. we meet people where they're at, right? Um, we meet people where they are and try to bring the tools to them to help address the needs so that we're lifting them up, we're encouraging them, we're supporting, non-judgmental. That's our focus. No beating up on one spouse or the other. No. Right? It's a team effort. It's a team effort. We teach you how to be a team together if you come together. And if you come to us individually, we teach you how to learn more about yourself so that you can better express yourself to the partner, which can make all the difference in the dynamic of the relationship. I love that. I think this is terrific. Thank you both so much for sharing this. And we're going to have your information in the show notes so people can track you down and seek help, get your input. And I think this is perfectly time after the year that we have had. There's definitely been some shifts in dynamics. So especially approaching the holidays, it's a great time to give ourselves a little extra grace. So thank you so much to both of you for sharing today. Thank you, Susie. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. And if you found value in today's episode, make sure you subscribe to catch the next one and leave a review to help fellow pod surfers find Happified. Until next time. 
keep on shining.